Good morning. Glad to see you all. It is week 12, can you believe it? Week 12 of David, our final week um, exploring the life of David. And I want to give you guys a heads up from the get-go that the goal this morning is to really give us space, give us space to think over the last 12 weeks and really come to some discussion about what does this mean for my life right now? Of, of, the, of these past 12 weeks, we've been looking at David, how is my life going to look different? How will I be changed because of this study of David? Because I'll be honest with you, and, I, and I've been in church for since I was six, so a long time. And one of the classic things that happens in church and in, in the Christian circles is that we read the Bible, we study the Bible, we feel good about the fact that we did a Bible study and we listened to a sermon, and it doesn't change our life one bit. And the dirty little secret about North American Christianity is we think that's okay. <laughs> We think it's okay to listen to a sermon and not be changed. We think it's okay to read the Bible and not be changed. So Dennis and I are going to provide opportunity and space for us to discuss. So I'm saying all of that to say um, there's going to be a little bit less content coming from Dennis and I this morning. We will provide some content, kind of set the table, but then we're going to throw it three different times during the service, during the sermon for you to just turn to your neighbor and to discuss. We're gonna give two, two to three minutes, three different times throughout the service for you guys to turn to your neighbor and discuss and to have conversation. And if you're watching online, same thing for you all. <clears throat> we'll just take a few moments to discuss. I'll put a question up on the screen so you'll be able to see it and then we'll have some time of discussion. But the main thing that we're trying to do here is let's not waste the last 12 weeks of studying David and walk away unchanged. Y'all hear me this morning? All right, so week 12, David being people after God's own heart is the title of this message and this discussion. Being people after God's own heart. The big idea is this for this morning. The big idea is this. Like David, we are all called to be men and women after God's own heart. Like David, we are all called to be men and women after God's own heart. Our discussion this morning is going to be in three parts. Number one, David as a covenantal leader that points to Jesus. Number two, David and a heart of worship. And then number three, David finished well and served the purpose of God. Let me pray, and then we're going to go after the text. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for David. I thank you for this man that um, we will see one day. Thank you for his story. Thank you for the way he led. I thank you both for his successes and his failures because they're instructive to us. And I thank you, Jesus, that you are the perfect David and you are the perfect king. And you have drawn us into relationship with God as Father. So Abba, we give you this time. We wanna be men and women after your heart. We wanna be a church that is after your heart, that is loyal to you, that is zealous for you that desires your name and your glory and your kingdom to fill the earth because you are a good father. So we give you this time. Jesus, we honor you. And Holy Spirit, you are the great teacher given to us. <laughs> and so I ask that you will be active among us, that you give revelation and understanding. And so we give you this time. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to invite Dennis up here, and let's, uh, yeah, let's make our way through the text. Discussion number one, first part, David as covenantal leader that points to Jesus. 
This is 2 Samuel 23. This text is right above this text in many translations. It'll say the last words of David. So I want to just very quickly kind of summarize some major themes in David's life that we've seen through the last uh, several weeks. Um, Number one, David is this man. He's a a man. (laughs) And I think what's encouraging to me, one of the main themes is, Here's a guy that was just trying to do his job, right? He's just trying to follow God. And, and sometimes when we look at Old Testament heroes, we see these, these individuals and we think that they're somehow uh, superhuman, like they're Marvel characters or something, like they're su- su- some sort of superheroes that we could never attain to. Actually, David's story is a prime example of God uses all kinds of people, including adulterous murderers. Y'all hear me? God is happy to use all kinds of people. So as a major theme uh, is David the man. He's a shepherd. He's a warrior. He's a leader. He's a king. He functions as a prophet. He's a musician. He's a worshiper. There's, there's that sense that David is not uh, easily um, generalized as just a man's man, right? But he's a musician, but he's also a, a warrior who slaughtered people. There's, some, there's something very uh, three-dimensional about this character, David. Uh, another theme that we've seen throughout these weeks is that he had both success and failure as a king and a father. That there are, in David's life, there's some really high highs in David's life. And there's some really low lows as well, both in his role as a king and a father. And then a final theme that we've been looking at, which is David points to the Messiah, to the Jewish Messiah, the king who is coming to make all things right. And even in these last words that David is, is speaking at the end of his life, he's, he's articulating something that he understands a little bit about what God is doing, but he doesn't fully get it yet. And I think that's true of many of us, that we see, we see the fingerprints of God on our life, but we don't get the full picture it, probably until eternity. So after David's life, we see two prophetic words. This is Jeremiah 33, 14 to 15. The prophet Jeremiah says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up from David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. And David sees a little bit of this, but obviously this is a prophet way after the time of David. I want to give you another prophet. This is Ezekiel. And Ezekiel says, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David. This is hundreds of years after David has died. Ezekiel says, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. The prophet, God through the prophet is saying, when you see David, what your heart longs for is the perfect king to come. The perfect father to rule. The perfect leader who is a warrior and a lover and a musician and all of the rest. And God says, I'm going to send one just like David. He's going to come and he's going to make all things right. And it's not too much of a stretch to say, even in our world, even in North America right now, things are not right. Would you say that's true? There's a sense in which inside of us we go, this isn't right. There is not justice. There is not righteousness. There are things that are broken deep foundationally. And all of that is yearning for that. So David is no insignificant character. He is a a shadow of the perfect king who will come and make all things right and bring perfect justice. So David, major themes as we look at David. I want to throw it over to Dee to talk about his last words. Yeah, Yeah. that's good. I mean, you, you can see why we 
we hope in some of these leaders, and uh, it's because we're we're waiting for the real one to come. And I, I was uh, just amazed at these final words of David in Second Samuel chapter twenty-three. Now remember, he here's the adulterer and the murderer, who is now saying, uh, "Hey, look, I'm the anointed. I'm the one who's anointed by God." And we we sang that song just now. Our sins, they are greater, but his mercy is more. And that, that's precisely the picture of the good news, with, with God bringing Christ out of the line of David, dying for our sins. We can say the very same things that David is saying here. I mean, look, this week we've been doing these declarations, right? I gave you this thing last week, all right? And, and this week, you've been reminding yourself, if you have real faith in Christ, you've been reminding yourself that I belong to you, Jesus. I am free in you, Jesus. You live in me, Jesus. Uh, I hear your voice, Jesus. I live for you, Jesus. You deliver on every promise, Jesus. Every promise that God has ever made, you deliver on that. It's yes and amen, right? So in, in that reality... David is speaking, and you and I, if we're in Christ, we can say the same thing. We can say, I'm the anointed of the God of Jacob. We can say, uh, I'm the sweet blank. He's the sweet psalmist of Israel. I'm the sweet shepherd of Marymount. You're the sweet mother of seven children. You're the sweet child who's coming after God. You're, you're the sweet daughter that I love of God. And, and you can say these things. And then you can say, the Spirit speaks by me. I mean, every time we read the Bible or we send someone else a Bible verse or we summarize our experience with God, we are actually saying that the Spirit is speaking through us because that's actually happening. And we live in the fear of God and we can declare, my house stands with God. We can declare that over our families. We can say, this is how we're going to roll. And we can say that my Father will consume every evil one day with fire. We can all say that. And so when you come to your final words, when you write in your old age that last note to your family, or you write that last note to your wife as you're dying of whatever it might be you're dying of, you can say these same kinds of words if you walk with him. That's, that's a privilege and that's power. That's power of a life well lived. So let, let us think about our final words because we will be empowered in Christ to say some incredible things that will be true for all eternity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because these are like fundamental questions that everyone is asking. Who am I? Who do I belong to? And do I make a difference? Right? And that last one, do I make a difference? Like nobody wants to live their life and when they're done, it's, it, there is no difference made. But here we see David, his last words. So here's the discussion question. We're going to take about two minutes. We're going to just turn to our neighbor. And if you're looking online, just turn to those who are watching with you. The question is this, what will your last words be? So I'm leaving that fairly open-ended. But as we're looking at David, here's this man in the ups and the downs. His, his life is Godward oriented. Even his last words are Godward. So discussion, two or three minutes. What will your last words be? Two minutes. Okay, that was just over two minutes. Um, we've got a microphone, and I want to give an opportunity for anyone to share what you discussed. If you're online, just type right into the chat, and uh, there's someone watching that online, and they're going to text it to Dennis and I. So questions, comments, I wills. Terry's got a microphone, and she's going to come around. Anyone want to share? I got Christine over here, hand up already, uh, and then I got Naj over here too. Um, yeah. Share with us. 
it on now? There we go. <laughs> Mine would be that um, I was an open vessel for God to have his way in, that I would say yes, that I would be faithful in the small things and brave in the big things. That's good. That's good, Christine. Thank you. Okay, we got Lynn and then Nosh. Mine is real simple, but the first thing that popped into my head was the best is yet to come. Mm, best is yet to come. Right. Nosh. very theologically accurate. Well, mine's is a little more emotional. And I wanted to say, I would say to you all that I tried my best to be the best that I could be to all of the people whose life touched mine. I was determined to love you well, and I pray that I succeeded in doing so. And remember, I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Love it. <laughs> the first thing that came to my head was that I desire so much to live a life modeled by Jesus that my last words are his last words. It is done. Yep. Yep. That's good. That's good. Anybody else? All right. That's good. Don't have anything from the online folk yet. Um, I, I've, I've thought about, um, you know, last words are interesting, um, but I've thought about just like a state of being personally where I want to be so connected to Jesus that when it's my time to go, he and I are having a conversation and then I go and we keep the conversation going when I see him face to face. Like, I, I'm, I'm not joking about that. I really want to be that way. You know, they say Enoch was, walked with God and then he was no more because God took him. Now, I'm not suggesting I'm gonna go like Enoch, but that's the kind of relational connection I want with Jesus and with the Father. That when I'm going through my day, he and I are having a conversation, and if I go, I go, and I see him face to face, I give him a big hug, and then we just keep the conversation going. Um, that's what I think about when I think last words. Anybody else? Okay. Oh, we got one. Come on, Michael. Um, I, this, this took me to a place of... Uh, you know, I've been reading a lot about history and stuff, and, and there's people who are forced to die martyrs' deaths. And so it made me think, what, what if somebody had a gun to your head and said, deny Christ? Right. What would your last, what would your last words be? Mm -hmm. um, so I think I've just been thinking a lot about as the world sort of veers off God's moral path, how, are we going to you know, suffer and stand up for the truth? Right, so. right. It's good. It's good. It's good. Okay, part two. Part two, David and a heart of worship. I think it's hard to talk about David and not talk about the major theme of, of David's worship life. So, David and a heart of worship. We looked at Psalm 138 uh, this past week is what you were reading through. I just want to bring up a couple of themes Number one, David was a private worshiper. So you see this, this, this sense of, of David was a shepherd out in the, in the fields working with the sheep. He's developing this personal walk with Yahweh, with God. And as he's developing this, when he comes into leadership, that private worship that was, was developed out in the field, it spills out onto everyone. I mean, the mighty men become mighty worshipers, right? because David's their leader. And, and the people of Israel become a worshiping culture because that was David's private culture. So whoever you lead, what you are in private is what you reproduce in the people around you. Uh, he was a private worshiper and he developed worship in others and then he systematized it. He actually established the worship culture of Israel. We looked at that last week when Dennis was talking through the priests and the musicians and all of the development of the worship culture of Israel, of the people of God. And he also gave worship language. So many of the Psalms were written by David, but he also de developed others who also wrote 
some of the Psalms. So he's actually giving language to people to sing and express their worship to God. So I just got a, just a sampling. I'm just going to do a very quick sampling. Y'all know this is hard for me, but I'm going to do a very quick sampling of things we learn about worship from David. This is not exhaustive, just a couple of things that were sticking in my mind. Number one, he had a singular desire for God in worship. One thing have I asked of the Lord. This is what David wrote. One thing have I asked of the Lord. There's one thing I'm going to seek after. Can you imagine writing that? There's one thing I'm after in my life. And it's this, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. The one thing David wanted more than anything is the very presence of God. That challenges me. More than career, more than financial stability, he wanted the presence of God. Okay, I gotta keep moving. Second thing, another thing that we learned from David, there's a love for the law. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. What David is saying is, this word right here is so precious. It's, 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 it's more valuable than gold, and it's just dripping with honey. And, and here's the big idea with regard to this concept, that really, that's love for God himself, not just the words. Y'all hearing me? Like, he's not saying that that ink right there is what I love, but it's the Lord himself. So there's a, there's a hunger and a thirst. When I'm around David and I'm reading David and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going after God's own heart, I start to get more love for the word. There's, there's, a, there's a desire for the word. Another thing that David teaches us with regard to worship, confession as worship. We looked at this, Psalm 51. That confession is worship. It says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Another thing we learn about worship from David is lament. These are the words of David. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Did you know that lament is worship? When I look at the Father and say, Abba, this isn't right. This, isn't, this is not like you. The unjust are getting good things and the just are not. That that's actually worship. <laughs> so again, just broadening, David broadens our understanding. Worship is not simply feeling good because I sing a song that's happy. Worship is also when I am angry with what's happening and I'm angry that God is not moving. Okay, <laughs> I think I got a final one. Uh, worship as a corporate activity. I will bless the Lord at all times, even in the bad times, amen? His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Everyone say, with me. Magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. David teaches us that worship is not a singular activity. It is not a private activity only. But it is a corporate public expression of our desire for God and our love for him. So just a few things that God teaches us about worship. D? Yeah, that's good. Remember the picture last week of the, of the temple worship and what was going on, the sights and the sounds and the noise and the arms raised and people uh, super excited to be there. And remember what Raz told us. The Bible gives us all these things that we can do that, that are in the Bible 
And how often do we do them at the football stadium, but we don't do them for the Lord, right? That got me right there. But as I think about this, this psalmist of Israel, remember he was anointed by Samuel and told, you're going to be the king of Israel when he was about 13 years old. And then he killed the giant Goliath when he was about 15 years old. And it wasn't uh, until years later when he was 30 years old that he became the king of Israel, right? 17 years after God promised, but he was only the king in Hebron. He was only the king over one tribe. And then seven and a half years later, he gets to be the king. And then years, two or three years after that, he finally gets the ark and he's operating in the, in the vision of the kingdom he was given. So remember, here's a guy who waited 25 years for his destiny. And, 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 and he tells us something really important. In Psalm 138, at the very last verse, he says, The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love. Not, not because I'm going to fulfill it. The Lord's going to fulfill it because he is steadfast. He endures forever. And he does not forsake the work of his, of his hands. In other words, he's always at work. So David had to wait 25 years for his destiny, maybe even a bit longer, to be fulfilled. Then he had wars. His son rebelled against him. His son was murdered. His other daughter was uh, raped violently. You know, there's all this drama in his family. And he still it continues. He's, he's kicked out of the kingdom for a season. He comes back. And we read in the next passage we're going to look at that, that he finished well. Well, we read what he wrote before he died. The Lord will fulfill his promise for me in my generation. He will fulfill his promise and purpose for me. So what we can see by that is that the will of God is not some mysterious, you know, gold line that's, that's buried 12 feet underground and you got to dig it up and go after it and find it. And if you somehow break the, break the little cable, that's it. The, the will of God is it, to be connected to you in worship, for you to be connected to him week in and week out, day in and day out, and that he will automatically, by, by his purposes, if you worship him and you walk with him and you listen to him and you obey him, he's going to bring out of your life everything he has in mind to bring out of your life. It's not something you have to chase after. It's not something you have to invent. It's something you have to receive. It's something you have to just receive and then walk in that. And there will be days where you just have to step out. I'm supposed to leave Procter & Gamble. 38 years old, uh, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm new in Christ. 43 years old, I'm supposed to leave P&G. I couldn't prove it. All I had was the word of the Lord and the confirmation to my wife, to Marianne. And, and it's, sometimes it's risky. I'm not trying to say it's easy. It's, it's risky, and it's, it requires boldness. But you can take this to the bank, that God, if you follow him with all your heart, he will fulfill his purpose for you in your life. And that, that is an amazing that's an amazing promise. Amen. I want to pick up on a couple of folks online. Uh, the, the first question, what will your last words be? Dennis Spurgeon said, it is finished. Very similar to what Chef said. Um, thank you, Jesus. It is finished. Thank you, Jesus. And then Scott Hobart, who's in the room, also, <laughs> which I love that. Scott's here, and he went online. He's everywhere. The omnipresent um, one. Um, he said, I would say, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah. Yep. Helen Spurgeon says, if any good is said of me, the person would know that it is of the Lord. And then um, Corey Lush followed Jesus, following Jesus, sorry, followed Jesus more than me, love fiercely. I love you. Do this and I'll see you in his kingdom. So some final words from Corey. Mm -hmm. Love it. Okay. David, as a worshiper, here's our discussion question. We're going to take two minutes here uh, to turn to your neighbor online and in person. The question is, how will David's worship life shape yours? How will David's worship life 
shape yours. Two minutes, let's discuss. Okay. How will David's worship life shape yours? If you're online, um, shoot those into the chat. Terry's got a microphone. Who wants to share what you discussed? How will David's worship life shape yours? All right, got Eddie over here. Eddie. So as a kid, my dad always taught me that my worship life is not just up there on the drums. It's what I'm doing when I'm not on the drums. Yeah. So he taught me mm. as a young boy mm. that I have to pray, that I have to read my word, that I have to fast. And the life that I live is worship just as much as I'm on the drums worshiping. Yeah. So he taught me that as a little boy. And that's because as musicians in church, when the word is going forth, we'd be outside. The musicians would always go outside and my dad would come and get me. He's like, no, I need you in, in the church listening right. to the word. Right. So as a young boy, he taught me my worship life is not just up there. It's outside of that. Right. It's good. It's good. And the little spirit exclamation was nice, too. Thank you for that, Eddie. That was good. Well, here I go again. But um, David wrote many of the psalms. And they, the psalms are the songs. And I will say that during the course of a day, because I was raised in a church that sang the old hymns of the faith, and that's where I, I go again, uh, so many of those hymns come to mind. And uh, there is a lot of scripture in those hymns, and it's a wonderful way to memorize scripture. And uh, I just can't tell you how many times, Burr and I were just talking, um, one of the hymns that came to mind was Trust and Obey. Mm -hmm. And there are so many really, really good hymns that unfortunately we don't sing anymore, but they really have a lot of wisdom and faith involved. And uh, mm -hmm. something that I, I think about, I'm sure... At least one hymn comes to mind every day for, in relation to something that's happened. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I usually let Terry have the same have the last word, but here goes. Uh, David persevered. He persevered through thick and thin, mm. and he never let go of God. And and I think that's uh, how his. His model there is a good model for me. Yeah. And uh, persevere. That's good. Keep in the highs and the lows. Persevere. That's good. That's good. Yeah, thank you, Bird. That's good. Uh, Scott uh, online says, or actually in person and online, <laughs> walking in the spirit all day, keeping Christ in the front of my mind in all things all day. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, David Millen says the same thing, that worship with God is uh, not just about singing and dancing and more about being in constant communication. Singing, dancing, weeping, angry fish shakes, uh, just being in contact mm. with the Holy One. And, yeah, it's uh, good. That's, that's really good, Dave, David. And Helen says, David did not doubt his covenant with God. God was to honor it regardless of what David did. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Mm. Mm-hmm. good. Yeah. And Kaylee says, I will pray David's psalms and make them into my own to lead my heart to worship like David in belief, not only the words of my lips. Yeah, that's good, Kaylee. Thank you, Kaylee. That's yeah. excellent. Tim? What I got uh, from it all is that uh, David... Was a lot of things. He was he was a shepherd. He was a musician. He was a king. He he was a human being of of many uh, uh, parts and experiences. And through his whole life, he used all of that to worship God. And uh, it seemed to me that he realized that uh, all that he was, as all things are, are on loan from God, and they're his to begin with. So give them back to him. It's good. It's yeah. good. good. Excellent. Cherry Collins says, I want everything, even the simple and mundane things, to be worship of, to God and bring Him glory. That's right. That's and uh, by the way, we have one of our, uh, one of our congregation, one of our elders, uh, has purposed for a long time to worship God by running marathons. And um, he had a goal to uh, run in Boston. 
So he just turned 65, and uh, he got a few extra minutes on the, uh, on the minimum <laughs> requirement. So he had to run 4.05, and he just finished a, a marathon in Vegas this weekend, and he ran 4.02.50. So congrats to Steve Sessler. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay, let's jump into our last one, which is a nice tie with running the race. David finished well. David finished well and served the purpose of God. And, and the thought here is that it's interesting, especially when you look at Hebrews chapter 11, uh, the author of the book of Hebrews is taking the Old Testament characters and he's talking about their faith. Remember, this is the, the hall of faith. And it's interesting that the author of the book of Hebrews is looking back at these Old Testament characters and that he's commending them for their faith. And it's like a thumbs up on their life. And you can look back and go, really, Samson? Like, Samson? Like, is that? But he finished well. All of these characters. How about Abraham, who's like, yeah, Sarah's my sister. No, it's, it's fine. Not a big deal. I mean, there's some, there's some jacked up stuff that these guys did. And girls. But when God looks back, he sees, but they finished well because they were following me. And when they, when they finished, they followed me to the end. Are you, you see what I'm saying here? And even with David, we see these ups and downs, but he finishes well. And in Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas are preaching the gospel. They're in Antioch, Pisidia. They're in the synagogue there. And the Bible tells us this, that Paul is, is preaching and he's, let me, let me back up. Let me get some context. Paul is preaching. He's preaching to these Jews and he's preaching that Jesus is the Messiah they've been waiting for. He is the one who has come. And so Paul begins to just kind of go through the scriptures and talk about each of these characters that are, are found in the Old Testament. And he's weaving through how all of these lead to Jesus. And we're picking up in verse 22. He says, and when God had removed Saul, he raised up David to be their king of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all my will. And then later in verse 36, for David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers. So, so God is, is speaking through Paul as he's preaching prophetically to these Jews. And when he looks back at David, he says David was a man after God's own heart and David served the purposes of God in his generation. That what David was created to do, he fulfilled. He finished well. And so as I'm thinking about this, and as we're looking at this for our own life, a foundational passage in my life is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 10. And I, I just want you to, to hear this, this connection between the gospel good news and us being created to do what God has asked us to do. And let me set it up this way. Every single religion other than Christianity, every single religion other than Christianity says this. If you want to get to God or get to heaven or somehow attain the good life, then you must behave right. You must do good things, and if you do enough good things and they outweigh the bad things, then you get to go to the good place. That's what every religious system other than Christianity says. Are you all following me? Yeah. And it's, it's inside of us. Like, we naturally know that. It's like, okay, okay, I need, I need to do good things instead of bad things. But Christianity says the exact opposite thing. In Christianity, it is not what you do for God, it is what God has done for you. That God has actually come to die in Jamie's place because Jamie was so messed up in his mind and in his heart and in his actions that God came and died in my place and he hands me his righteousness and he takes my sin upon himself. That God comes in human form, innocent, and dies as if he committed all the sin that Jamie committed. And oh, by the way, the entire sin of the world. In Christianity... The declaration is, you do good things because you have been loved perfectly by God. You don't do good things to earn his love. And that's what Paul is saying here in Ephesians chapter 2. 
says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Here it is, friends. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Listen to the order. You've been saved by grace, by faith, in the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because of that, you get to walk in good works. Do you see the order? You've been saved by grace. Now you get to walk in good works. Whereas every other religion says, you better walk in good works so that you can be saved. Only the God of Christianity says, I have loved you, I have died for you. Come to me. And oh, by the way, I've planned amazing things for you and I to do together. But every other religious system says, you better do it right, and then he might love you. So this is, this is the crazy good news of the gospel. And here it is at the end of David's life. He served the purposes of God in his generation because of the chesed, the covenant love of God that was shown to him before he even did anything. He was chosen in a shepherd's field. So I just want you to see that you were created for good works, not so that you can get God to love you, but because he has loved you in Christ. So walk in them with him. We are his workmanship. We get to walk with him. That's the the connection between the gospel and serving the purposes of God in, in our generation. Yeah, wow. I remember <clears throat> the day that I understood what Jamie just said. I remember I was in China, and I remember realizing that uh, despite the fact that I had absolutely no good works to my credit, despite the fact that I was an adulterer, I was miserable, self consumed, selfish person, uh, what, what, I, what I understood for the first time was that God said in Christ, Dennis, trust me, I've paid for all that sin. I've paid for all that sin. Uh, I shed all my blood for that sin, all that sin. It, you are covered. You are loved. You are called. You are coming into the euphoria that I experienced then of the gospel, to know that that's all I needed was faith in Christ. And he had done everything else. And as I, as I think about that, and as I then began to think about God's purposes for me in my generation, you know, my generation is the boomer generation, right? So God has purposes for me in my generation to share this good news with uh, everyone I worked with, with everyone I spoke to, with everyone I was on a plane seat beside, with everyone that I could possibly speak to, I began to share that with my children. But here's the cool thing with the children. My children are now grown. So now we are, we are all interacting together now on the basis of the gospel. And quite often... I, I, can, I, can, I can see I have done the wrong thing. And they can point that out, and I can say, you're right, please forgive me. So it's not just for the rearview mirror, but it's for all of life. And now my children are grown, and one of my most important purposes that I believe God's given me is is to equip the next generation and the next generation. And so now my kids are deepening my understanding of the gospel because of their passions, what God has shown them. We're being 
we're correcting each other. We're all under the same loving Father. We're all under the same, the blood of the same Savior. Uh, we're all pursuing what God gave us to do. And, and our family purpose, our family vision is Matthew 5.16. You know, let your light shine, the light you receive from Christ. Um, and as people see your good deeds, what will they do? They will worship your Father in heaven. We want to point the way as a family to the Father. I want to be corrected and challenged and encouraged by my children and then my grandchildren, some of whom are in the room right now. I want you to know that God's purpose for our generations are similar. Roxy, God's purpose for you in your generation is to be a witness to Jesus, is to share the living word, right? And that, that is just one family's multi-generational vision. But this is what God's inviting us into through the story of David and through the generations where Christ came and now the generations between Christ's first coming and his second coming. We make it all about the kingdom, all about the Father. Yeah. Amen. That's good. That's good, Dennis. Yes. It's really good. David served the purpose of God in his own generation. So here's the discussion question. We're going to take just a couple minutes. The discussion question is this. It is, are you aware of God's purposes over your life and how will you obey them? Are you aware of God's purposes over your life and how will you obey them? I know it's a big question. No problem. You got two minutes. Two minutes. Okay. Two minutes to talk about the purpose of God over your life. So I know that's, you know, easy. No problem. A um, <laughs> couple of things online. Uh, Misty Tice, uh, going back to the worship thing, said, uh, being in awe of all of his creation and all that he does throughout the day and just being aware of his presence in terms of David's worship life. Sherry Collins, I, we may have read this one. I want everything, even the simple and mundane things I do to be worshiped to God and bring him glory. I love that. Josh Harney, Amanda's back there working, yeah. Uh, Eliana and I think we should do worship when we're doing chores. What do you think, Amanda? You pro? Okay, yes. Awesome. Amanda approves. <laughs> Mama approved. Okay, uh, and then Aaron, hey, dad of heaven, uh, David's honesty will continue to shape my worship. It's good. The ever-present Scott Hobart, I think one of my problems is that when my definition of God's purpose for my life is different than God's definition. Hmm. So we're going into the next question. He said, one of my problems is that when my definition of God's purpose for my life is different than God's definition, I need to humble and yield to him. That's good. That's good. Okay, let's, let's discuss. Scott has kind of thrown us in the deep end there. So let's discuss. Terry's got a microphone. God's purpose for your life. What did you all discuss? Thanks, thanks to God, I got in a men's group about 20 years ago, age 40, and we worked on this, and God made it clear to me, and it's stuck for 20 years, and it is, I've been uniquely designed by God to apply my leadership, planning, and organizing abilities to build men, starting with Trevor and Ryan, who can lead in the cause of Christ in the world. That's good. That's good, Mark. Build men. Dennis Spurgeon, while y'all are thinking, Dennis Spurgeon said, understand the importance of the one, one-on-one -on -one ministry. And then Aaron shared, I will obey God's purposes in my life through engaging in community, being challenged by people who love me, and also building others up for the glory of God. Mark? Yeah, I'd just emphasize one thing he said that we found so important in both of those questions, knowing what God's purpose is and continuing to obey his community. It's not, it's not a solo thing. It's not right. something I can sling over my back and climb up the hill by myself. It's got to be done mm. in community. Right. That's right. Right. 
Good. Yeah, we all need a fellowship to accomplish, the fellowship of the ring. I mean, you need people. You need people in your life to accomplish the purpose Good. of God. Anybody else? Sorry, I had to make a Lord of the Rings reference. It's almost, I'm contractually obligated, I feel like. Every, or Star Wars, I, I'm, it's one of them's gonna come out. Helen Spurgeon says, proclaiming how Jesus has worked in my life, honoring Jesus. I, I think the power of our stories yeah. is so significant. Yeah. So thank you, Helen, for mentioning that. Yeah. Speaking up, I'll let you close it up, bro. Okay, so the power of our testimony that I just wanted to make this announcement next week. So we're finishing the David series next week. And Bay, if you'll throw that slide up. I know I, I'm changing the order, I want you. Next Sunday, we have sharing service. Um, so um, for those of you who have never been a part of that service, there's no structured sermon, um, and it is a time of sharing. Very much a 1 Corinthians 14. Someone bring a, a lesson, a thought, something, some sort of testimony. We're all coming and, and sharing. And the question we want to answer is, what is God doing in your life? So we've already had seen some testimonies that are coming in about healing, uh, and the ways God is moving in people's life. So be ready next Sunday uh, to do that. If you're not gonna be here, let's say you're online and you wanna be a part of that service, and if you would record like a two-minute testimony, send that to us in the office, and then we're gonna get it um, set up so that we can actually show that during that service. So the people who are online can be a part of sharing their testimony as well. So I wanted to make sure that you are aware of that. Um, sharing service, and then after the sharing service, the next Sunday, we begin Advent. Can you believe it? Advent 2020. We're going to be looking at, we're going to take David, and we're going right from David into the prophetic words about this root of David that's coming, and the promise that there is a perfect David that is coming to make all things right. So we'll be looking at Advent 2020. I want to pray for us. Let's stand, because we're about to sing one final song as we prepare to leave. Let's stand. Let me pray for us as we sing one final song. Father, we come before you and we thank you for the way you are moving in our midst. I thank you for my brothers and sisters who have shared and even those who are considering um, your purposes over their life and how that's been spurred on by the life of David. And again, we just want to say thank you for your word. I want to thank you for access to it. I want to thank you for David. I want to thank you for his life. And Jesus, we dedicate our lives to you. We want to be men and women after your heart. We want to be the kind of church that accomplishes your purposes in our generation. May MCC do everything she has been called to do in this generation. We build our lives, we build our families, we build this church off of your word and off of your purposes. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.